Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. It's a new season, right? It's a new day. It's your season for greater. It's your season for greater. Talking about a mustard seed, okay? Small in terms of size initially, but when God deals with it, when it's in its right environment, it's able to grow taller than any other tree. The scripture says, here's the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Start small. Don't despise small beginnings. Man took this small seed, threw it in the field, but it got into the right environment. It's smaller than any other seed, if you ever see mustard seed, smaller than any other seed. But when it grows, and it will grow, it grows larger than anything in the garden, any plant. It becomes a tree, bigger than plants. It becomes a tree that even the birds can lodge in it, nest in the branches. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Your life is like in this new season. We're about to blossom and grow like you never would believe. Our church is about to grow. There are people who are investigating the ministry. They're on the outskirts, but they're coming in. And this is seed compared to where God has taken it. I believe the church is the embryonic stage of the kingdom of God. The embryonic stage. A woman carries the seed. She carries the seed. Egg, seed, match, come together. Child is... is uh, created in the womb and over a period of nine months that baby becomes way bigger than the sperm that was planted in the womb and there's a seed in every man the woman carries the seed we're birthed through our mother's womb but we're called to our father's seed he's the seed carrier and it's important to know that why do you love your father because he gave you life there will be no life Without a father. That's why the enemy attacks father, son, father, daughter relationships with absence. Because he doesn't want you to ever connect with your heavenly father. And if he can block you from loving your daddy. He can stop you from worshiping your God. When we correct the issue with working with our own natural fathers. God will give us freedom and access to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. And that's why I teach, honor your father, love him, forgive him. Well, he, he was never there. Let the Holy Ghost give you the grace of forgiveness so you can unlock these vaults, these, this treasure that's under your feet that you will never tap into until you get that straight. Thank you, Lord. I'm sowing the seed in this message because I believe God wants you to be mustard seed and wants you to be a mustard tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in your season. And your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do will prosper. We're familiar with uh, this passage uh, that prompted us to get ready for change. This passage has prompted us to get ready for change. For shifts. For alterations. And one of the craziest things that we could ever do as believers, unproductive, I would say, is to have a made-up mind. My mind is made up and I won't turn back. Okay, make it up not to turn back. But a made-up mind is dangerous to visionaries. What happens no matter what you introduce, the law of first truth, the first truth, law of first truth, makes you so concrete in what you believe that if, even if somebody tries to introduce something new, People reject it because it's not what you heard when you were 18 or what you heard when you were 19 or 20 or when you first came in. Even if the person teaching was ignorant of scripture, the law of first truth says whatever I heard first has to be true. But theology is shaped in community. The more you grow in God, it's designed for you to grow more as you get involved with new people. Coming from the same word, because there are different levels of insight. One plants, one sows the seed, another waters the seed. But what happens? 
God gives the increase. Can you tell if you've grown, have you grown at all since that first time someone planted the seed? Or are you just holding on to the seed, saying things like, I know it's the truth. If it's the truth, it will grow. Everything in the kingdom should be growing. That's life cycle. It becomes death when it stops growing, it declines, death occurs, decay kicks in, deterioration. <laughs> All of those different D's happen to us when life leaves us. And so if the seed of life is in you, you can't die. I like to tell people this, I can't die because there's too much life in me. Say that with me, I can't die. Too much life in me. And you need to confess that. Instead of feeling like you're going to die, tell yourself, I can't die. I got too much life. Resurrection life is in me. Glory to God. So we're familiar with this passage that the mustard seed, small, can become the greatest in the garden. A tree in the garden. We should all speak words of encouragement and counsel. Words like... <laughs> Words like, and let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not faint or give up. All of us should uh, have words that are encouraging. A mustard seed word. Small but very impacting. And be not weary in well-doing for you will reap. If you just continue. I know it's a seed right now, but if you would just continue in the word, you're going to grow up. You're going to prosper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm praying that as I teach today, some of you that are very discouraged will be able to get on up and begin to run, get on the scene and do what you need to do for Jesus. He said to them, here's another one. It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons that the father has fixed in his own authority. It's not for you to know. And at the same time, he gives prophets and preachers that prophetic word to help us to know. But you should not know in yourself the times nor the seasons. I'm here to tell you that the seasons are changing. It's a new season that we've stepped into. Our church has experienced over 103 seasons as a church. 26 years, four seasons per year equates to over 103 seasons. Summer, winter, spring, and fall, 123 times. And there should be some development now in our character and in our disposition as a church. I am more patient now. I may not seem it, some of the things that come out of my mouth, but believe me, I've been able to sit in a meeting with someone and not speak for two hours. They do all of the talking. Now you do it and see how focused you remain. <laughs> I'm more patient now than I've ever been in my life. I'm able to deal with people's failures better than I've ever been in my life because I know that we're human. Glory to God. I do challenge folk to grow. But believe me, the older you get, the more you realize that people are very frail. And you never judge somebody by their last sermon. God is a God of another chance and another chance and another chance. Man is a God of one chance. Small g, but God is a God of another chance. Say, hey, he's a God of another chance. Amen. If you come to him, you ask for forgiveness, he will give you what? Another chance. Glory to God. Another passage, he made the sun, the moon, and the stars to, the stars to mark the seasons. The sun knows uh, it's time for setting. Just like natural seasons change, so the spiritual seasons change in our lives. Believe in the Lord and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will what? Prosper. Amen. And so I'm here believing the Lord. He's going to establish you as a prophet of God in the midst of turmoil to tell you, I believe I heard the spirit say the season has changed. Believe the prophet and you will prosper. Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one. 
It'll be on the screen in a moment. I need you to move with me. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity. A time for everything, chronos, and a season for activity under the heaven. A season for activity, chronos. There is chronological time for everything. Okay? Right now it's spring. So chronological time, good time to plant. But there's also a season for every activity under heaven. Know the seasons. Know when God has shifted a season for you. Amen. If it's a season to forgive, you can't hold on, un hold on to unforgiveness and think you're going to prosper. What is the season? Glory to God. Look at verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die. We've experienced that over the last year. A time to plant. A time to plant, and then there's a time to uproot. This is not the time to uproot. It's a time to plant. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal. It's not a time to kill right now. It's a time to what? Heal. You, you, this is the season where you should be trying to heal the breach. Glory to God. It's a season to heal. It's also a time to tear down, and there's a time to build up. It's not a time to tear down anything. It's a time to build up. And you need to know the season. If you see someone trying to tear folk down or tear it down, you're out of time. It's not a time for that. Let's build up each other. Verse 4, time to weep. We've gone through that. But now it's a time to praise. It's a time to laugh. Okay, well, I have nothing to laugh for. That's why I'm here to pronounce. It's a new season. It's a new day. A fresh anointing is coming my way. It's a season of power and prosperity. It's a new season coming to me. I've been waiting on this all my life. I'm not going to miss it. A time to mourn, the scripture said. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Scripture here says a time to weep and a time to dance. We're looking at the NIV, if you will. A time to weep and a time to dance. Glory to God. A time to weep and a time to dance. A time to weep and a little time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. So I want to make sure I say this. It's a time to weep. We've passed that. We're not weeping. And a time to laugh. Then there's a time to mourn over those who died. And a time to dance. There are some people that don't like to mourn. Even in church. Or oh, this is a celebration. This is a celebration. That's what we do a lot in the African American community. And six months later I got to deal with depression. I got to counsel the same people who shouting in funerals. Shouting. Because they that's what mama would have wanted. Why not mourn? Why not take a moment and go ahead and cry? And stop trying to super spiritualize stuff. Why not take a moment and remember your mama? <laughs> stop trying to be super spiritual here. Walking out the church. Because you don't want no one to see you cry. It is natural to cry when someone you love dies. Even for men. If you love DMX, if you love DMX, you mean tell me you don't feel nothing? I don't care he was using drugs. He died. Come on, man. It's not a time to be tearing a man down. What about his kids? Rappers are buying his music so they can give his kids 10 million. Somebody cares. Somebody's mourning. Church don't know how to do it yet. The world is surpassing us with how they flow. His children are worth 10 million. One of us died. They should have got insurance. <laughs> do we love our own or not? Think about how the world is moving. Do we love our own or not? Whatever you think about DMX, I like his prayers at the end. God, I may have done wrong. But please forgive me. 
If I, if, if, if I had a prayer school, I'll bring him in or play his prayers so people would know how to pray. You don't have to be a Christian to pray. Even thugs are praying to God now. God, I haven't always done what's right. But now I'm asking for forgiveness. Ooh, Jesus, some believers won't do that. All wrong and justifying the wrong. It's a time to ask for forgiveness. Ain't a time to walk around banging chests and talking about how righteous we are. It's a time to say, God, help me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Glory to God. It's not my mother nor my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's a time to scatter stones, scripture says. You'll see it in verse 5. To scatter stones. Do you think it's a season to scatter stones? To take principles and throw them to the wind? And there's also a time to gather them. It's a time to reach and gather those stones that you cast away and bring back the principles. The Bible says it's a time to embrace and then a time to refrain from embracing Look at verse 5, a time, a time to scatter stones, and then there's a time to gather stones, a time to embrace the stones that you gathered. And then there's a time to refrain from the scattering of the stones. Look how that one verse ties together. It's almost like a bow tie. A time to scatter stones, to, to say, you know what, this ain't working, we're getting rid of it. Then there's a time to gather the principles and put them together. There's a time to embrace what you gathered. And then there's a time to refrain from a tendency of throwing things away when you're frustrated. What time is it? It's time to gather stones. And it's time to embrace the principle. It goes on to say, a time to search and a time to give up the search. Some people are searching for significance in the wrong places. Give up the search and find significance in the word. Then there's a time to keep and a time to throw away. If it's been in your garage for three years and you don't know it's there, throw it all away. Do a garage sale, sell it for $10, $1, $3, make a little money and sow a seed. It'll do better for you. Some people got $1,000 in their house, $2,000, $5,000, if they'll just sell it. All of their needs would be met. It's a time to search, and then there's a time to keep. It's a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to, f to tear. Look at this. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. The tearing is there when you have to separate from something that you love. Have you ever had to tear? I didn't say tear up somebody or tear up a family. But something that you really love, it ain't working. And God is requiring for you to have a sacrifice of praise. To tear away from it so you can do what he's called you to do. Then there's a time to mend. There's a time to mend nets to sew. And if you're cut from a different cloth, you can't be connected with common thread. There are people trying to connect with people. Oh, I'm different. I'm di but you're trying to connect with common thread. If you're cut from a different cloth, use different thread to keep it together. It's a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a delicate balance there. Silence, a lot of times, is the ultimate weapon of power. And silence, at some times, will keep you locked up in obscurity. Silence is the defeat of men of renown, women of character, when you need to speak. If you stop speaking, someone of less character will take the slot. They will slide in the vacuum and have the voice for the moment. Because you just felt like... You didn't want to step on any toes. But there is a time to speak. And when it's time to speak, real men and women should step up and speak.
I believe God is making me a voice of truth revealed and a voice of the unheard. So when people, their voice isn't heard, I believe God wants me to speak up for them. What voice are you echoing? What are you trying to do? There's a time to be silent. In other words, you don't speak in tongues when you're standing before the magistrate. You're standing before a judge, your tongue means nothing. He said, you can give your heart to Jesus, but I'm putting you away for 10 years. I actually heard this before, no lie. Uh, man asked me, join the church. They told him, listen, you're a felon. Don't put a gun in your possession. It can't be in your car. It can't be in your glove box. Abide by the rules. They told him that. He was a felon. Guess what? I bump him. I got my, I got my stuff. Okay, they pull you over, found a gun. Well, he found religion after that. Come to church now. I need prayer at the altar. Okay, I'll pray for you, sir. Now he brings his wife and his kids. I love on all of them. I want you to go to court with me. I go to court. Now it's time for sentence. He stood up there. My bishop is here. He can vouch for me. I stood up. What's your name? Merton Clark. I'm standing in the gap for the man. I can vouch that he's really trying. Thank you so much, bishop. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. But you? That's what he said. But you? I told you never to stand before me again. And you can give your heart to Jesus and work with the bishop after this. But you are minister society. Ten years. He turned around. His wife happened to be Caucasian. Keep your head up, Snow. <laughs> It took me about three years to, to kind of like find out what he was saying. He was saying, because you're white, I guess I'll call you Snow. I guess that's what I thought he was talking about cocaine. I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> so you can give your heart to Jesus, right? But if you get in trouble with the law, you can't speak in tongues there. You'd have done better if you got silent and did what the man told you to do and kept that gun out of your car. Y'all still with me? There's a time to love, verse 8, and a time to hate. A time to hate? There's never a time to hate people. But there's a time to hate the wrong and the injustice. Not to be passive with it. A moderate is a sinner when it's time to make a decision. A moderate, when it's time to make a decision, I say is a sinner. You have to make the decision. You have to stand on what's right. And you need to do that when it's time. Well, I don't want, I don't want to step on toes. That's moderation. When it's time to make a decision, you need to hate injustice. God hates injustice. And there's a time to love. It's always a time to love. There's always a time to love. Okay? Even when you can't show it, you can still have it. There's a time of war and there's a time of peace. After, after, after the, the trumpet sounds to cause war to cease. After the Pentagon says the war is over. If you fire one more bullet, you violated the law. Even if the enemy is right there. I want you all to hear this. You have to show Restraint. He could be your enemy right now, and then the message come down and say the war is ended, they've made peace. Ah, but I got them in my sights. You can't open up a machine gun and blast them all down. You have to show restraint. That's for police officers and anybody in the military. And we expect 18 year olds to obey that. 18, 19, 20 year olds, once we say cease fire, you cease fire. You can't be a sniper, well I got to take out three more, just for, just for old time's sake. And if we expect 18 to 19 year olds in a war zone to do it, we have to expect police officers as well. Show restraint, can the church say amen. And even when you're disciplining kids. If you say I forgive, 
You can't bring it up every day. I didn't get any amen. I think you said. If you say I forgive you, you can't bring it up all of the time. I like verse 9. What does the worker gain from this toil? His toil. I've seen the burden of God. The burden God has laid on workers. What does a worker gain? You work all the time. Okay, you get paid, but it's really not. You never finish the job. I have seen the burden God has laid on men by the sweat of your briar brow. You will earn your bread. Verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in a season. Even though you're working hard and you're in the grind, you stick with God. He makes all things beautiful in its time. Many people give up before they see the beauty. If you remain consistent, you got to learn to love this passage. Chap- chapter 3, verse number 10, verse number 11. He, made, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, because you have to work hard, according to Genesis chapter 3. And Solomon says, the worker, what does he gain from the labor? God put it on you that you're going to work to earn your bread. And God has laid a burden on the worker, on men. But he's made all things beautiful in his time. Look at this. For the passion that you need to go to work, the scripture says, he has also set eternity in your heart. In other words, there's a dissatisfaction that he put inside of you that drives you to get up every morning and do what you're supposed to do, even though you're tired. There's an eternity, a God-shaped hole that nothing can fill it. And it's for passion for you to fulfill your call in the earth. Glory to God. Yet, look at the word, they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. In other words, he put it in you, but you don't know how to negotiate. You don't know how to function with eternity in your soul. That's why we need instructors to help us to deal with these things, these emotions that we have. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, eternity is in your heart, and eternity can only be matched with the eternal God. You will continue to run down this rat race until you make peace with God. Write it down. The first step in flourishing in any spiritual season is to recognize which season you're in. I say again, the first step to flourishing in any spiritual season is to recognize which season. You're in. I gave you some hints. It's not a time to throw away stones. It's a time to gather stones. You're throwing away principles today. I'm just tired. That's not a time. This is not a time. I'm just tired. I can do all bad all by myself. What? Believe me. That's not a true statement. You can't do good all by yourself and you can't do bad all by yourself. Bad loves company. The birds of the same feather will flock together. If you do bad by yourself, eventually you're going to attract worse. Tell you about how the demonic works. If your house is empty, the demons that left you come back and investigate the same house. And they enter in with even seven more demonic spirits. And the latter of that man is worse than the beginning. You can't do bad by yourself. You got to clean up and pack in principles. Clean up and pack in principles so when the demonic comes by, they don't see an empty house. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Preach, Merton. Be instant in season, out of season. Look over your shoulder. Ooh, God is there. God is there. All seasons are purpose-driven. Write it down. God doesn't allow you to go into a season without purpose being for that season. Well, I just came through a storm. There was a purpose for the season. 
I just came through a winter time. It's cold outside. There was a purpose for it. I just came through hurt. God knew it. I've just, uh, in the last three weeks, did my first pruning of a tree in my life. Now, I'm not saying that I've never dealt with agriculture. My dad owned a, uh, a lawn service. And so, and then uh, I'm part owner of a lawn service now. Clark and Clark, Clark Services, yes. So if you need your lawn done. <laughs> but anyway, um, we want to hire 15, 20 different crews. So we want to grow big in Palm Bay. Um, commercial stuff like Harris and all of it. Uh, residential too. Um, but my dad owned that, you know. But when we were kids, it wasn't like kids today. Mothers don't like for their boys' hair to get uh, messed up. And they don't like for them to get scratched. That's how mothers are, you know. They, they cry over things like that, like it's going to kill them. My dad didn't care about that. Get on the truck. And that's how it was. Right? My mom didn't have any say-so over that. Well, they don't need to work as hard, and you need that. None of that came into play. Get on the truck. This is right after he got off work. So we were out there cutting grass and doing all this other stuff. Summers were gone. All summers. Okay? So when I say I'd never pruned a tree before, it's not that I've never done agricultural work. And then I was an gro uh, orange grove guy when I was in the uh, uh, sod man in Florida. So they had us doing all kind of stuff like that. I'm glad now because it taught me what I don't want to do for a living. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was cutting grass and I told myself I want a briefcase when I go to work. Guess what? He blessed me with a briefcase. I was just like, I asked my dad, can I do the negotiation at 16 for these yards? What? I said, can I do the negotiation? Let me address the people and bid on the prices. He thought that was arrogant. But I believe I could have done a good job with that. I never had the chance, so I negotiate now. <laughs> you understand? That's where I needed to be. I need to come up on the, on, on the, on the resident and have a, a certain polo shirt on and some pants and a briefcase and say, I'd like to do your yard, and this is what we can present to you. This is what we'll give you, and, in, and, and this is what we should, you should expect from us, and this is what we need, to, we need for you to do this every month. All right? So I have some plants in my front yard and uh, in the foyer there of, of the home, the patio going into the front home and the front door, and I started pruning some trees, right? right? Some plants. One had just grown wild. But what I noticed was is that I cut it too deep. I was too close to the plant. Like I was like this here looking in it. Oh, I see this was not bearing any leaves down at the base. So I cut it. And it is bearing leaf at the top. So I said, well, I mean, this thing is not even producing. And I cut deep. When I took a step back and looked at it, I saw gaping holes in my plant. That's why I love the scripture. Jesus said in John 15, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. And he's not so close to the vine that he will cut it too deep. He takes a step back and has an image in his mind of what he wants it to look like before he starts pruning. I didn't have that image. I just looked. I was too close to it. And some of us are too close. We are too close to the issue. We can't see a new season because we're too close. We're gazing at the thing that's not producing fruit. And if you're not careful, you'll cut too deep when you're too close. You got to take a step back and have an image of what you want to see before you start cutting. I learned after the first time doing it that I should cut from the top to shape it. And I should prune gently down at the root. Well, I was aching over my tree. I could promise she was screaming. Ah, how could you hurt me like that? Ah. How could you abuse me like that? And I heard her cries. So I gave them a water and fertilizer. Came back in three weeks, she bounced back. In three weeks. 
So this time I came with shears gently over the top and shaped it up like an afro. I had an image in my mind. It's, are you listening to me? When you prune anything, even children, you have to have an image in your mind of what you want to see in the future. When you raise them up, what do you want to see? A productive child, whatever. Start shaping them that way. Don't cut too deep. You're nothing. That's a deep cut. That's to the white meat. You can't just put a stitch. You need a staple. And you'll have a scar. There's a purpose for every season. It's purpose driven. You got to know the purpose before you get in. Or know that God has a purpose. And every season we go through is preparatory for the next season we will endure. So all seasons are connected with each other. So how is winter connected to spring? Well, they are. To have a good spring, you need to endure winter. And if you have a good summer, you need to have a good spring. If you're going to want a good fall, you need a good summer. If you want a good winter, you need a good fall. All of them are designed to make you ripened and whole. Even the cold is there to make you whole. It's purpose-driven. So let God take you through the season without complaining about every shift and change. For our church, there are some things we should see now in terms of maturity. I should not be pastoring people who've been with me for several years and you get offended every month because you don't like what I say. You're used to me now. Now let the, the new people get offended and then let me mend them. But I, don't, I shouldn't have to come and bandage you up. If you've been here for several years, I already know Bishop. I know. I know it's hard. I've been around him. He's mean. He's mean. He's really not mean. He's just, you know, he's passionate. <laughs> you have to know him. Go and, go and meet with him. Some people think I'm all about money. I don't know where that comes from in the community. When I came here, I was talking about tithing and offering as a young pastor. And they said, man, he's trying to be like Creflo Dollar. I don't know where that came from. Some people that stuck with him. They never visited, but that's what they think. I do, I do like nice things, like this microphone is a very expensive microphone, and so it's not a Radio Shack mic. You got to go to Sweetwater to get it, okay? It's a sure mic. So when I first started pastoring, the, I had a man tell me, go down to Radio Shack and get you a mic. I said, Radio Shack? I went to a music store. I said, what is your best mic? The man came right off, a sure mic, 58. It's the workhorse. I said, let me hear it. He plugged it in. And I said, hallelujah. And I was like, whoa. I like that. Now, what's up from that? And he started showing me what, what's lower than that. So I got the middle. And I started moving toward excellence. That's the first day. Before anybody came. And I realized that God had given me something that wants to go for the best. It's the same way. God told me that I want you to buy one of your members an iPad. Okay. I don't know why, but he told me that. I go to Best Buy with one of the workers here. I go to Best Buy. Let me see some of your iPads. It's not for me. It's for one of the members. They don't know that. And I said, the, the, the man with me, I said, I'm buying an iPad for one of the members. So he starts showing me some economic, economical ones. I said, well, I want the one that I would get. What is the best? Show me the best. Okay, here's the best ones. This one does this and that. Okay, let's get this one here. It wasn't the complete top of the line, but it was up in the upper echelon. Because that's what I would buy for me. Now, there are some people, when it comes to dealing with other people, what they see is I'll get you the less. I'll give you my throwaways. But I want the best. I believe that excellence doesn't have any of those shifts and twists. If it's excellence when it starts, it's going to be excellence when it finishes. And if you live your life that way, guess what you will attract? If you want excellence, you got to give it. You'll reap what you want. Know your season. Each season is preparatory for the next. 
I stood in this pulpit and God said, take your shoes off and give it to your youth pastor. I took them off. Bam. I preached in socks. Now, if you weren't here, you wouldn't know that, right? And then maybe the next three months, six preachers gave me six leather pair of shoes. Say the Lord led me to give them to you. Now, if you saw the shoes, what you would say is he thinks he's all that, but you don't know the season that I was in. He required me to give up my own. And, I, and it was a perfect fit for my youth pastor. He was walking around, man, in jeans with gaiters. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. And then next thing you know, pastor sitting and said, the Lord told me to send you shoes. The Lord told me to send you shoes. What? Oh, God. It was six pair for that one. You sow the seed, watch what God does. People going to holler at, your, off at your, your harvest. Look at them, but they don't know the seed you sow. Glory, hallelujah. I had a, a car dealer here who in the church gave me three cars. Now they had problems. I fixed them up and I gave them to members of our church. This one particular lady uh, had five kids and we had done a lot for her so I said to her I need you to do this for the vehicle okay still didn't pay for the vehicle but I need you to do something because there's a lot of drawing and there's not a lot of supporting I believe she needed a predictable income she wanted to sell Mary Kay but I said you need a predictable income she comes back the next month I need my light bill paid. Did you go to get predictable? God didn't tell me that. God didn't have to tell you. I'm telling you. I'm his voice. and You need to get a predictable. Well, provision is dried up and I'm out of here. That's the kind of attitude. But I gave the car anyway. Go for it. Take it. Three. In 2003, my mother passed away. Right after that, around this time of year, I went to Ford to look for vehicles. We needed to get two vans. They're still over there across the street now. It was in 2003. I got a three year no interest uh, deal with uh, Ford at the time and we paid it off before we had to pay any interest. But the young man that was there, dreadlock wearing, dark skin from uh, Sanford, Florida, the top salesman in Florida was the salesman. I didn't know it at the time. But he was the top salesman in, in the state of Florida, very, uh, a Kenneth Cole man. Shoes, Kenneth Cole, Kenneth Cole belt, Kenneth Cole jeans, Kenneth Cole bag, and dreadlocks. The drag, dreads could have been Kenneth Cole. <laughs> I mean, from the top to the, and he didn't talk to people. Yeah, good over there. He didn't talk. How do you sell cars and you won't talk to nobody? Yeah, sit. People sitting in line for him. Yeah, sit. I'll be right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold up for a minute. I, well, hold up, man. So I sat before him. Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, prophesy to him. He's my son. He's not acting right. And tell him I'm calling him home. I was bold enough to do it. I said, I don't know you, young man. But God told me to tell you you're his son and you're not acting right. And you need to go home. Get your head together. He threw his hair back like this. Ah, and ran his hair through his head, his hands through his hair. And he said, ah, let's go and look at your vehicle. He didn't want to talk no more. Went out there, gave me the deal that you see. Three months later, I'm sitting in my office. Knock came on. Here he comes. Comes in my office. Gap like this here. Sitting down. Running his hands through his hair. He said, you were right. My dad is a preacher. I haven't been to church in 10 years. I made a million dollars in Atlanta, Georgia, doing the wrong thing. I got to get myself together. I started a club in Savannah, in, in Sanford. It's making money, but I don't feel right. Something's going to happen to me. And I let my partner ride my car, and he killed two people in Orlando drunk. I need help. I mean, you're talking about really cash coming in per month. Like the man's making 50000 a month. You understand? You at that level, you're doing some stuff, right? You're moving units. 
I didn't know that. And he says, I have an automobile in my garage and I want you to have it. I said, automobile? He said, yes, a Mercedes. I said, what's the number on the back of it, boy? He said, he said, 500. 500. I'll bring it to Brevard County. You can have it. Now the boys around here see me in the car. They just run. But you don't know. You don't know seasons. You don't know what I gave away. You don't know how God works. You only know what you see. That's why you can't judge a person's season. I may be in a barren season, but I'm getting ready for my harvest. And you may be in full bloom and about to go through a barren season. Don't judge a man's season. Pray for them when you see it. Can the church say amen? amen. I'll finish the rest of this in the morning, but you got to understand there's some people. When I say in the morning, I mean Wednesday night. There's some people... <laughs> I'm not going to keep you in the morning. There's some people in the dry season. There's some people in the waiting season. I'll explain it on Wednesday night. There are other people in the grind. Then there's some people in the test and trial season. Then there's a fix. A season where you fix your eyes on Jesus. No matter what comes or may. Come with me, Lord. I got to keep my eyes on you because if I keep my eyes on the grind or on the pain or on the waiting, I'm going to miss you. So come back Wednesday night, tune in, and you'll hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Whatever season you're in, make sure that you keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm decreeing it is a new season for the people of God. I can feel it in my soul. That which was hidden is being revealed. Mother with a little baby came to me the other Sunday. This little girl walked up to me. The Holy Ghost fell. She said, I won't. Came down and she pulled this out of her purse. And so I opened it up, and it was, it has money in it. I thought she was asking me for money, like to add to her treasury. And so I said to the little girl, I said, I don't give little girls money. I will add to it, but I want you to bring your mother, your grandmother here. I don't give little girls cash. I don't even start that. And I would recommend mothers, don't let any man outside a father give little girls money. Don't even let them ask for it. Stop it in the tracks. Don't say stuff like, go get yours, baby. You, you don't know what you're creating. So the little girl was looking at me. I'm not, I'm not asking for money. Then what are you talking about? She says, he told me to give it. Who told you to give it? And I'm looking at the damsel. Her face, her eyes are clear. I'm not asking for you to give me anything. He told me to give it. It shook me to the core. I've seen many people. I've never seen a girl do that. I thought about the alabaster box in the scripture. Everybody else sitting down reclining with Jesus, but Mary opened up a box and started washing his feet preparing it touched me deep I looked at the girl I said what do you want she says I want to play the piano I said lift your hands she did stretched them high and I smacked her hand pow pow and I believe God will give you the gift are you all listening her faith was soaring 
Her seed is going to open up the door for her. I said, God, make her a Mozart. Hallelujah. And tie it with the anointing that's on David. That when she plays, demons that's on the minds of people will lose their hold. The harvest is greater than the seed. And if God can speak to a little girl about giving, what do you think he's saying to people that are grown? You mean to tell me you believe it's God telling you to hold on to your seed? Or is he saying it's time to release it? It's time to line up. It's time to come out of the shadows. It's time to bring your alabaster box. You want to change a season, sow seed. The best time to sow a seed is 20 years ago. Second best time is right now. If you sow the seed 20 years ago, you'll be living, living in the harvest of it. But the second best time is right now. Who is this little girl? Hallelujah. Father, I don't know her name. I know a grandmother brings her here. You sent that girl to change my life. The scripture talks about the widow's might, but thank you for the damsel seed. Help me to preach about her all over the world. To wake up people who are so insensitive we can't hear your voice or too selfish to step into the new season. Father, I thank you for her. Bless her. Strengthen her. Finance her college. Protect her from molestations and hurts. Let a strong father that loves her and an attentive mother nurture her. Let her receive you. Let her know who you are. Even if we're gone, Father, let her remember this day. change the world through the girl we give you praise for that in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah put your hands together and give God the glory it has been a real joy to share the word of God with you a special thank you to those who care for this ministry no amount of financial support is too small it is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.